Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Good evening, good morning, or good afternoon. This is more than just a podcast. Podcast. Uh, we are live, all sitting in our own respective front rooms, I believe, or wherever we're sitting in our houses. And um, we're, we're on iPhones and stuff, so we're on, well, I'm on my, we're quality. on landlines. I'm on an iPhone. Sean has set up a conference line, and we're doing the podcast remotely. And we have a special guest with us tonight, which comes in the shape of Nigel Khan. Hello, Nigel. Hello, George. And live got, from my kitchen. And we've got John, as per normal. Hello, John. Hello. Good afternoon. How are you? Good evening. Very well, thank you. Good. Um, and then Sean, who is going to be chairing the conference. Hello, Sean. Good afternoon, good evening, or good morning, George. Well, over to you, Chairman. So, um, it's been an interesting um, time over the last 48 hours, hasn't it? I mean, if, if it couldn't get any worse for West Ham, it certainly has. So let's start off. We've done the welcome. Let's talk about the West Ham versus the Foxes. And I'm going to start with a stat attack. West Ham had 59% of the possession. Leicester had 41%. West Ham had 20 shots, seven of them on target. The Foxes had 11 shots, five on target. The Clapper boys won it. So, first of all, I'm going to start with George. We were there for 60 minutes. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Get that one out of the way. What, What do you want to say about the game? Um, well, I, I think you've got to start with the defence, really. I think we're defending like the Sunday League team and we're being embarrassed every week. Um, I mean, going forward, maybe not clinical enough, but we've got enough threat about us going forward, in my opinion. Um, it's just at the back, we're letting ourselves down and letting too many goals in. And when you let too many goals in, don't score enough. Like I said last week, it's the age-old problem. You don't win games, you don't get points. What time did you want to go? I was happy to go at half-time. No, no. What happened after the two goals went on? Come on, tell the truth. Well, no, I've got, we've got our three-goal rule. When we go three goals down, we uh, we tend to leave. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I wouldn't have left at any other time other than half-time. Any time, half-time onwards, I was happy to go, which is why we left at 60 minutes. 
Yes, it, it wasn't a lot to write. Well, certainly, but I, I understand the game picked up, and we can ask Nigel about that later. But let's go to John first. How was your 60 minutes, some of which you spent at the bar? Uh, quite predictable, wasn't it? We discussed the fact that um, having previously lost to Bournemouth last time out, who hadn't won a game in 2017, that we were very likely to lose to Leicester, who hadn't won an away game all season. So, yeah, it was quite predictable. It was a bit worse than I thought, it, them two quick goals going in. But, uh, yeah. And you know, do you want to blame the, the tactics? Do you want to blame certain players? Do you want to dig players out? We talked, I was talking to you on the way there about, you know, and I heard that West Ham had the worst goal shot on target to goal shots ratio in the Premier League. So it's it's a combination of it all, isn't it? But, yeah, it's just pretty awful, wasn't it? But, yeah. So, you know, and, the re- and the reason we wanted to go early is because the DLR was up the spout and we wanted to get back and watch the rugby. And that went well, didn't it? So, and it was your 25th, uh, 25th wedding anniversary as well. Uh, was that as it well? It was that as well. I was going out yeah. for that. But yeah. God, it was a bad day then, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> well, it didn't turn out too bad because I, I turned up for my meal and it was a surprise party as opposed to a meal. So it was quite now, a surprise. I have repeated this a couple of times, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to mention it again. I was on the EPL Roundtable podcast mm. last night and, uh, and I mentioned this in the Ian Dale interview later. But um, at one point, I can't remember who said it, whether it was John or George, but when we were talking about the team afterwards, and I said, well, who should we keep in the summer? One of you said, well, I'll only keep Lanzini and and uh, Antonio and get rid of the rest. You want to own, who was that who said that? Um, I, I remember saying I wouldn't be upset if anyone other than them left. I didn't say that we should get rid of them all. I just said they'd be the ones I'd be mainly upset about if they did leave us in the summer. That was the gist of the conversation, yeah. And I buy that, to be honest. There's no one yeah. there's no one else that springs to mind that I would be upset if they did decide to leave in the summer and other than them two players. Yeah. Well, let, let's move on to Nigel actually stayed for the whole 90 minutes. Um, well done, Nigel. A rarity of West Ham fans, I'll tell you. Although... Obviously, you were so oh, high up, I don't know if you saw any of the game. <laughs> Through the mist. <laughs> I wish I'd missed the first 10 minutes. But um, Walking out, I'll tell you what, I weren't that disappointed. I mean, it was disappointing to lose, but, but the, the, the way we, we, we came back after the first 10 minutes, you, if you took the first 10 minutes out of it, we were far, far the better team. And if we had their keeper, we'd have won the game. Yeah, are you, so, are you giving Randolph a bit of a hard time on that? And no, 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 no. I just think if you look at the uh, Schmeichel, he's is a world class keeper in my opinion. It's too good for Leicester in a way, um, even though he's won the Premier League and he's in the Champions League quarter final with him. But um, I mean, it, it, I'd, I'd love to have Schmeichel in goal. I'm not blaming Randolph for the goal OBN gave the ball away you know people have been slagging Noble off for ages and yet here we go I don't want to talk ill of OBN he's injured and he's out now but it, it, it didn't really uh, get off to the best starts with him and Chiari in the middle so I mean that's I, I thought that was a typical West Ham performance it's, it's good to see the old West Ham still there even <laughs> for the <Yeah>. stages. <laughs> 
Well, let's play the blame game, Nigel. Who's to blame? And don't see the ball. I'll tell you what I do. I'll tell you what I do. I'll tell you who's to blame. If you look at it, it's individual player errors. You can't blame Billich. Obiang loses the ball in the middle. The ball finds its way out of Mahrez. No one goes and closes him down. He crosses the ball in. The ball goes over Winston Reid's head. He fails to clear it. And then it catches um, off guard Randolph. So there's a few you could say. So that's defensive areas. And then they did, I suppose, obviously a a training ground routine that Leicester worked out. But, I mean, who left Hoof unmarked? Well, there was someone behind Hoof unmarked. So there was loads of Leicester players there with no one marking them. So, but again, this is individual errors made by players. So if I'm going to blame collectively, I'll blame the, the players yeah. for, for for that performance. But then, in a way, they turned it round, had to go back. And if it weren't for Schmeichel, we would have got a point. Yeah. Well, we're missing Mr. West Ham, Mark Noble, who, who says some fans don't understand football. Oh, by the way, I don't understand football. I'm one of those. <laughs> yeah. Finally well, admit that. Yeah. In a way, I can understand what he's saying. The, the, the thing, the only thing I would say to that is that if I was a professional footballer, the last thing I would do is have a Twitter account. Yeah. Because yeah. you're only inviting it. Yeah. I totally agree. Yeah. 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 I think you said if that. I, if I owned a football club, the last thing I'd have is a Twitter account as well. <laughs> More of that later. Well, we we said as we were walking out of there that we will pick up because we had the eye go, didn't we? Uh, so it'll pick up. We'll have a spirited dif- display. We won't win, and everyone will think, "Oh, we nearly did it," and it'll be as it was always been. And that's how it turned out, wasn't it? In the end. Mm. Well, well, well yeah. by all accounts, that they sort of sat back and invited us onto them, and you know, who knows if they, if they'd have kept Vardy and Mares on, that they wouldn't have scored more, and that would be our defensive issues again. So. I mean, they had a breakaway. I think Slomani went through and he could have made it 4-2. But then when you look at, you know, the the, the Schmeichel saves um, from Andy Carroll, I mean, mean, if people ask how he does it, I think if you look, they learn their goalkeeping playing handball where you can throw the ball to keeper from three feet. And that's where they learn that star save and obviously it, it was a trademark of his dad's and it's been handed down to him because that was yeah. outstanding so it Good. just makes, makes you wonder why we have to go behind for us to start playing why can't we come out why can't we be solid organised and come out and have it from the minute one we had that last season though under Billy if you look I think a lot of the early games we were going behind but then yeah, we were coming back yeah. in the second half but the, the, you know it's just it, this season, it's you know, it's been a catalogue of things. I think that's gone not right. Yeah. Anyway, must move on. It's not a football podcast. Oh, oh, it is actually. Um, <laughs> one one thing I will mention. I, I I talked to Nigel about this, but um, we had the pie gate situation, and and John and George will tell you I was very upset. I really needed a pie, and um, and the <laughs> pies were gone. It's about daily occurrences, Sean. I, I you say you needed another pie. <laughs> yeah. Well, so what happened is we went 2-0 down and I said to the two, it was like eight minutes, I said, I'm going to go for a pie because I've not eaten. I went for a pie and they said they'd sold out. And they said, come back at, at half-time. So I came back at half-time. They'd run out again. I was in the queue and they sold the last pie. So I said, I saw the supervisor and I said, what's going on, mate? He said, we've run out of pies. I said, 
You only have one job. I said, you're a pie stall. He said, I said, didn't you know 57,000 people are going to turn up? Well, minus all the empty seats. I said, wasn't, didn't you get the memo? And he said, oh, you're funny. He said, we only got two crates. So you'll be glad story, to know. Sean. Uh, sorry? Good story, Sean. <laughs> yeah, so you'll be glad to know I emailed Karen Brady on, on Sunday about Pygate. <laughs> and this morning I got a reply from Karen. She's looking into Pygate, but she's given me the personal mobile of the catering manager. So I now have the real mobile number of the catering manager after Good all these years. The real catering manager. Any catering like, problems? The, the club in action, isn't it? This is the yeah, club any catering this is what problems Karen Brady now. can do. Come to me with any catering problems in the stadium now, because I have the, the mobile number of the catering manager. Who, who needs a supporters club when you've got the bloggers? Yeah, exactly. Anyway, um, I suppose we better hear what the gap has to say, so it goes something like, uh, sure, sure. Let's see what the cover has to see. Slavin, shaking your head there. We saw the two sides of West Ham today giving away two goals early on and then fighting back in the way in which you did. Yeah, we are very disappointed. We fought back and we can talk about a lot of positives, especially from, from, a second, uh, from the second half. Uh, you can talk about great character, great combinations, uh, more than enough chances to, to turn the game around, not only to equalise, but uh, at the end we have to. There, there are no excuses for this. For this. Uh, for the start of the game, when we conceded really two very sloppy goals from our part of you, and uh, also when we came back to concede another one from the set piece, it's 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 very hard uh, psychologically to to come back in a game. In the second half, we did it. We played really good. Maybe last half an hour was one of our best performances this season and uh, the less done everything but just the ball didn't want to go in and they had in a couple of moments they have Kasper Schmeichel who, who is in a great form anyway and uh, that saved the game. Uh, at the end from Andy Carroll was, 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 was fantastic save basically. Is that the positive you take out of the game, the fact that you did show a degree of character after conceding two early on? Yes, we showed that but, but, but we shouldn't be Three, one or two nil down in first ten minutes. No matter that we knew before a game, and it's not a secret that they are really good on on set pieces and all that. But uh, but we are also good in them, and we we have enough tall players to to cope with that. So what was really disappointing is they went three one up uh, without really creating uh, big chances from the game. And it's as I said, it's it's. Uh, it's very disappointing the way we went 3-1 down. We can talk about a lot of positives, but in this league you can't you you can't afford to to concede two goals in first six or eight minutes. And your injury list has been added to yeah. today. Winston Reid went off in the first half. Obiang went off, and you say subsequently that Mikel Antonio might have a hamstring problem, which will rule him out of the England squad. That's the situation now. We still don't know how long they're going to be out, but. Um, Winston Reid, he had to come off because of, uh, because of a doctor problem. Then uh, Pedro, it was a challenge on his ankle, and uh, Michael played the whole game, but uh, his hammy doesn't look great. So it's very early to say. So we, we we don't know how long it's going to be, but uh, all three of them are, are injured. Is this a good time to, to take stock now, approaching the final few weeks of the season, to see what you can build on from today? Yeah, it is. I mean, we have now uh, our last three results were not bad. 
because uh, of the previous results before these three games we still we are still in like okay position but uh, it's a good to have a break now to to come together first to rest a bit and then to train hard and to be ready for for the remaining of the season what do you think of that then John? I thought it was very informative today. I think he's repeated himself quite a lot these season. So we'll you usually say he talks a lot of sense. Do you not bother saying that anymore? No, he doesn't. Because he's, he's talking less and less sense. He's becoming a bit more um, argumentative and defensive, isn't he? He is. And that brings us a great link to our next spot. Is Slav safe? Should he be replaced? If so, who with? Um, I brought this up on... I did a BBC interview on uh, Radio London last night and talked about the possibilities might happen. Um, it's in the papers. It's being discussed. Last week on the podcast, we had a bit of an argument. I said Slav should go. You two said Slav should stay. Um, what, has your view changed? Should he be replaced? Have you come to the end of your tether? Are you still on the fence or you're still pro-Slav, guys? Start with George. Well, I mean, time's running out for him. I mean, I, I, he, he's not proving anyone right or wrong by trying to make himself, put himself in any better position, really, is he? I don't know what he's going to do next. Um, and now we've lost a few key players. I don't think that's going to help him either. Um, I don't think he'll get sacked, but I don't think that he'll be here next season um, because we're not going to finish in the top half of the league. There's a chance we could get pulled into a relegation battle and... Even if we finish bottom half and stay up, it's not going to be good enough for the owners, I don't think. I also hear he's not going to have much say of the transfer in the summer. They don't trust him, and that's going to cause another conflict in summer, I believe. Yeah. I think they do all the business. He's, he's going for a hip replacement anyway. He's going to a hospital for a hip replacement. They'll probably do all the business while he's in hospital. John, what yeah. do you think as a slab? I... Should he stay or should he go? I think... I think they should leave him in place, let him see out the season, look at it in the, in the summer. But I do think that if they want to change it, they should just get on and do it and stop undermining him and talking the way they talk. And it's all sort of growing, and momentum is growing. He's, and it seems it's sort of like been sort of like constructed this way. And Are I, you I, saying I, that there's a sort of deja vu of the whole Sam Allardyce leaking press campaigns polls? Is that what you're saying, John? <laughs> I just think if you if you've run in a football club and you're not happy with how it's going, have the bollocks to do something about it and just do it and stop arsing around and dragging it out and undermining well, people. You're not. Nothing's going to happen to the summer, right? They're not going to sack anyone till you. But well, I think they want. The... What is the point in just waiting? Then you know. Undermining the man. Stop. Why is this stuff coming out that he's not going to get the, the control of the transfers in the summer? Mm. He needs to be finishing in the top ten. Why, you yeah. know, stop feeding all this shit out there. Let him get on with it, and then deal with it in the summer. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's, that's one point of view. Nigel, um, should he go? No, I don't think he should go. Um, I think with John, the, the owners, you know, Sullivan keeps coming out now after every game. I mean, your politics, fans, what's, I'm not being funny. As a football fan, you know your club's going to lose. You, you, you don't need anyone to come out and apologise. 
it's, it's all undermining him and it stinks. And it is like the Allardyce, even though a bit hypocritical, I was quite pleased with what he's done. They undermined Allardyce. But, I mean, they finally get a, a semi pick. This is the man who's given us our best Premier League points tally and goal difference ever. Our best all-round since 85-86. And in one season, yeah, it ain't gone well. But historically, West Ham never have, never have two really top-notch seasons, one after the other. The problem okay. is they've built it up with the move. We've come unstuck this season. Leave it alone. I'd even give him the one-year extension. I was going to say, do you give him an extension? Yeah, yeah, I'd give him the extension. How about if we slip down to 15th? You still give him the extension? Well, listen, we we had seasons like that years and years. People weren't going, well, at the end they were going low out or, or, you know, Billy Bonds took us up, took us down. People weren't, when we went down under Billy Bonds, people weren't going to sack Billy Bonds. I know it's a bit different, Bonzo was more of a legend than Blitz, but you, you can't go around, you get nothing, or clubs like West Ham get nothing while keep changing their manager. Can, can he take us to the next level though, Nigel? No one can take us to the next level. This is the thing, it's a fantasy. The club have sold us a lie. There is <sighs> no next level for West Ham. <sighs> What's the next level? The next level what, is... Top six. Top six, competing with Spurs. Won't happen. Won't happen. Won't happen. Why? Because uh, if we spend £80 million, they'll spend £120 Because they've got even more money coming into their coffers from their club, from their stadium that they own. They get even more money because they want TV more than us. So they'll get more TV money. It, it, it's, it's a protected club. Last season was a one-off. We'll see the norm. And the, the thing about last season was it actually ruined it for clubs like us. Because the big clubs will spend even more money because they're so frightened of it happening again. You you might be right. The only thing I'll say about Spurs is they have to fund eight hundred million. Unlike the wilderness years for um, for Arsenal, where they couldn't spend much money because they were financing stadium, that could happen with Spurs. You they don't that, even know how they're going to get. They've been earning more money than us for years. How do you know they're not putting it away? They well, they haven't, they haven't got low, They haven't even. It's not a Spurs podcast. But they haven't even got enough money to fund it. Yeah, but their, their owner's is wealthy. He's, t- he's totally wealthy, the guy who actually owns it. It's not Levy the Rowdy. Well, Levy, oh, but, but that's, that's why you're wrong, actually. People don't know this. Levy owns over 25%. And uh, what's his name? Um, Joe Lewis owns the other 75%. They may be forced to sell shares to raise enough money. Certainly Levy. Because well, they, what they, they've done then, what they've done, they've seen this coming... They've attracted and they've generated a team for the young potential, which is getting mm. stronger and stronger each season. So they could probably go the next three or four years and just add one or two. Yeah, it's been run correctly for years that club now, and it's just it's, it is an example. It's a sad example from a West Ham point of view yeah. of how to run a club properly. Unfortunately, our lot is it is just a complete contrast to that. Yeah. All right. Well. Time to move on. We could talk about this all night, and we welcome back to more than just a podcast. He's an BBC radio host. He's a publisher. He's a season ticket holder, and he's the founder of West Ham Slide Die. It's Ian Dale. Hello. Hi, Ian. Hi. So interesting times. I'm sure you were there on on Saturday. 
I certainly was, and I didn't leave after nine minutes, which some people just behind me did. Can you believe? I mean, who, who in their right minds leaves a match after nine minutes? Well, uh, I, I've did. got a confession to make. <laughs> we, we did think about it. Um, two nil down after six minutes, and we thought if we if a third one goes in, we were going to leave before half time. Um, we did leave at sixty minutes, and I know that's yeah, wrong, yeah. and I know that's, it's not showing appalling. support. It's appalling. But but it was John's wedding anniversary, and we were we were we were having a disco, and and the rugby was on. Are they enough excuses? No, no, no. We should. Um, did you stay to the end? Uh, nearly. I, I usually leave about eighty-eight, eighty-nine minutes just to try and sort of beat the rush. But I don't like to cure the Blackwall Tunnels. So well done. Proper fan. Proper fan. None, <laughs> none of these fickle fans that leave early. But I do want I, I have missed three goals so far this season by leaving at 88, 89 minutes. So yeah, and most of them were for the opposition. I yeah, think, exactly. So. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, it, it, it's part of the problem, isn't it? That, that people don't feel like... I mean, I, I never really used to leave the bowling ground early, but people do want to get away to beat the, the stop-and-go signs, and people do want to get away... Um, when, you know, the atmosphere is not feeling right. And, you know, I think that's part of the problem this season. You know, I'm sure you're aware that I did an interview with BBC uh, last night and they were talking about Slav. You know, is is he to blame? Is it the London Stadium? You know, did he choose all the signings? And and I said, I thought he had to take his his share of the blame. Well, I think he he does. Um, But I I think that... In a sense, it is the stadium that, in terms of people leaving early, I think people haven't really got used to it yet. We're still working out what's the best route, what time do we need to leave to get there in time, and and what time do we need to leave. And I think so many people are leaving around 75, 80 minutes now, which never really used to happen at Upton Park, purely because they just want to be sure that they can get away properly. And you'd hope over time that 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 settled down. But in terms of Slavin Bilic, uh, I I think some of the speculation about him uh, today and yesterday is is just incredible. Um, All managers have rough spells. All managers sign wrong players. All managers get the tactics wrong. I mean, there isn't a manager in the, the history of football who hasn't done that from time to time. He's Alex Ferguson and people like him. And yes, we can blame Slavin Bilic for several of the signings. Um, I mean, Torre, from day one, I could never see his appeal, but he was a definitely a Bilic signing. Sometimes you wonder sort of if they are and how, how many of them David Sullivan gets involved in. But most of the ones that haven't worked out are clearly Bilic signings. So fair enough. And I think the board need to sort of take note of that and really look at the players that he puts forward in in the summer, maybe with a bit bit more scrutiny. Um, But on the other hand, he has come up with several good ones. So it's never going to be a one-way traffic. And yes, some of his tactical decisions you could could question. But um, I think the fact that he he's so committed, he, he lives every kick. It's a bit like Pardew when he was there. I really like Pardew's manager because you could see on the touchline he kicked every ball and, and he really felt what we felt. Um, now, Bilic is a little bit the same. He's incredibly enthusiastic. And I think for all those who think, well, let's get rid of Bilic and get someone new in, they've got to say who they think should come in and who'll do a better job because I haven't seen anyone so far. Um, I mean, I don't want Mancini as... Uh, as our manager. I don't like the way he plays football. He, he didn't exactly do brilliantly in Italy. I think into Milan, Milan fourth and eighth. And for anyone who sort of really 
questions, Billich. They should read an article on the West Ham Way today by um, someone who calls themselves Fake Carton Cole. Um, he sums it up brilliantly. It's a real sort of call to arms for people who do support Billich. And uh, I am one of them. I know you're not, Sean. Well, I'm I'm a bit undecided. You know, I I do see. Well, last you know, we week all... you said it, you said he should go at the end of the season. <laughs> well, that was a little bit trying of to, trying to climb back on that fence. <laughs> <laughs> it was the same as Sam Allardyce on on the podcast last time. I, I felt through the balance of the podcast and had some being someone pro on him, and and obviously John and George very much want to keep Village. I just I just wonder, you know, he he failed in Russia. Uh, he, he never won the title. Did he, for, did he fail? Yeah. He, he did fail. He didn't. He didn't achieve any any silverware, and he, he got sacked uh, in Russia. Um, you know, there was no real success apart from beating England when he was Croatian coach. You know, he, he hasn't got any silverware to speak of, um, and obviously his his only experience. We, we, we knew that when we appointed him. Of course, and and you know. Um, his only experience is of the Premier League is playing for it. You know, and well, some people have said if you take away the West Ham connection, would he be considered a um, a candidate for, for the West Ham manager's job? Yes, I think he would. I mean, bear in mind what he achieved last season. Uh, you can't put all that down to Payet. Uh, it was him as well. We came seventh. Now, we were never going to repeat that this season in a new stadium. It would have been incredible had we done so. And I think, it, I think if we finish somewhere 9th, 10th, 11th, 12th, I think, frankly, that's not bad for going into a new stadium. Um, I think you have to bear that in mind as well. Well, I, I think it's probably safe to the end of the season, and we'll see. We're, we're, we're not going to know one way or the other whether Village will be around next year. I think the... Well, who would you bring in? Who would I bring in? I would definitely go with Mancini. I know he's been tapping up our board, but I I think Mancini, been out of work a little while, um, he would have to work on a lower budget, but he's got the experience. That's that's it. He hasn't. He hasn't got the experience of working on a low budget. Uh, Every club he's been at, they've been able to buy 30 million players. Well, he wouldn't be able to do that at West Ham. Yeah, and... And that's part of the problem. I, I do get that. But we've got to decide on whether the board really wants to take us to the next level or we want to be a mid-table team making sure we get 40 points each season. If it's the latter, then Village can be our manager for a long time. I, I'm just not absolutely convinced he's got the right tactics and he chooses the right um, transfers. Well, be careful what you wish for with Mancini. I know. Because I'll tell you what, if if we're having this conversation this time next year, and he's the manager, I bet you'll repeat that, oh, I don't like his tactics. Yeah. Yeah. I'm undecided. I'm I'm not in the out camp. I am sitting right on that fence. (laughs) (laughs) Do you vote Liberal Democrat by any chance? No way. Not in the middle of the (laughs) years. Donald Trump all the way. Uh, Anyway... Um, let's move on to the London Stadium because it's one of the, the reasons trotted out. Um, you and I ran a, a poll, a massive poll for London Stadium survey, and um, 6,365 people uh, took part, which is an amazing number. Hopefully, they're all match-going people and, and not, you know, rogue people making up things that they'll never go to the stadium. I don't see why they would. Um, so we're releasing it tomorrow, that's Tuesday at 8am on both our sites, West Ham Slide Dying, Clarence View. Um, there's some very interesting things in there, aren't there? Well, there are. It doesn't make happy reading for the board, I don't think. Mo- well, 
generally, it's all fairly negative. There are one or two positive things, but um, the match day experience, uh, I mean, people don't seem to be taking to it. Um, I mean, I think I'm very untypical in that I actually really like the stadium. I, I think the atmosphere is actually not as bad as some people say. And I say that because in the last two or three seasons at Upton Park, there were plenty of games where the atmosphere was a bit rubbish. I mean, it was almost like sort of the Emirates at, at times. When we're on song and when we're playing well, uh, we always make a lot of noise. We did that at Upton Park, and we all remember the night games. Plus, we have done it at the Olympic Stadium on several occasions. Not all the time, yeah. it has to be said. But you Chelsea, think the only two I can remember, by the way, Chelsea. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. The, the yeah. That was all the trouble. That was excellent. Yeah. And, and the Crystal Palace match. Yeah. And the Chelsea game, I remember turning to the guy I was there with and said, this is the first time that this has felt like Upton Park. And it really did. Yeah. And, uh, and there, there were times, even on the Saturday against Leicester, even though we were so awful in the first half, but in the second half, we were transformed. And we've got to learn, really, that it's not just when we're playing well that we need to make some noise, because it does have an effect on the players. You, you can absolutely see it. Um, and sometimes it takes the away fans to really sort of galvanise us, which it, it shouldn't be like that. But I think that will come over time. I've got no problem with that. Uh, and you, the thing is, they are so different, Upton Park and uh, the Olympic Stadium. You can't, in a sense, really compare them. The Olympic Stadium is more, obviously, a, of an arena. But it's fine to play football in. Yeah, I, I wish the seats were nearer the, the pitch. I mean, clearly I do. But virtually every seat in the ground, I think, has got a really good view. Now, if you're up in the gods, okay, it, it, you're quite a long way away. I'm in, hmm. the, I'm sort of opposite the dugout, dugouts, dugouts, in the in the front row of the top tier of the 1966 seats, and I think I have a fantastic view. Yes, I can't read the players' names on the shirts, but you get a much better overall perspective of what's going on and. I mean, when you look at the, the level that the managers are watching the game at, they've actually got the worst view of all because they're watching it at pitch level and they don't get the perspective that you've got from above, which is why I never understand why they always now 
they, they never seem to go up in the sort of director's box. Whereas I think in the first half, they probably ought to do that to gain much, a much better perspective. Um, and even from behind the goals, I know a few people who sit behind the goals. And um, I, I think if you're sort of right behind the, the net, you probably haven't got a brilliant view. But I don't think there are many seats in that stadium that don't have a good view. Yeah, I mean, Nigel Kahn would disagree with you, but he's up well, in the he dogs. Does. He, yeah, absolutely. And he's got one of the cheap seats. Uh, if you, he actually hang, wants hang to on. Meet. If you get a cheap seat, don't expect to have a brilliant view. I mean, surely, I mean, if, you go to, if you go to the theatre, if you pay 100 quid for a seat, you'll get the best seat in the house. If yeah. you pay 20 quid for a seat, you won't get the best seat in the house. So don't complain about it. Well, you, uh, Nigel, actually, and he'll kill me for saying so, but he's hoping to move to 1966 since he wants a padded seat and his name on it. You oh, well, never know, I, I, we might end up right next I, I, to you, Ian. I, well, I've got, to, I've got two seats, and next season I might uh, sort of relinquish one of them. So. Well, there you go. Nice we might, we might have some interesting conversations during a game. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. So you, you are renewing, I assume, and uh, yeah. you do still think it's a good idea that we, we move to the, the London Stadium? Well, I think it, it was always a heart versus head thing. In my heart, I would have liked to have stayed at Upton Park. I don't mind admitting that. But if we want to progress, if we want to become a top six, six team rather than a sort of top 10, 12, 14 team, it, it's clear as night follows day that we have to do it. Um, it's not just for the extra attendance. I mean, we ought to have, hopefully next season, by the end of next season, a, a top attendance of 66,000. That will be the second in the league behind Old Trafford. Think what a boost that, that will give us. Um, it's not just about the revenue from those tickets. It actually, we, we actually now feel as if we ought to be a top six team. You walk up to that stadium from uh, Stratford and it, it sends chills down my spine. It's just amazing. It's like going to Wembley every week, I think, in many ways. And, and yeah. just, you walk up the steps and sort of your first sight of it when you go inside again, it is a fantastic sight. And, and I, I hope that over time, even the most diehard who, who wanted to stay up the park will come to view it as our home. Now, the results of this survey indicate that's going to take quite some time to achieve. Well, um, also, we will give away one stat. 30% of people say it will never be our feel like home. Well, there will always be people who can never re- reconcile themselves to change. It doesn't matter what, what, what field you're in, whether you're in sort of business, politics, uh, sport, there will always be people who cannot accept change. Um, and there's, no, there's nothing you can do that, to convince them, I suspect. Yeah. Sorry, I thought, I thought we'd lost you there. <laughs> Sorry. Um, so, I mean, I suppose one of, one of the problems is a lot of people say we, we rent the stadium and therefore, you know, we, we seem to be caught in this political crossfire. Yeah. I mean, part of the problem is, the biggest problem, people say, is we want to be close to the pitch, right? They've, they've spent 753 million building it twice. They're not going to extend the roof. They're not going to move it forward, certainly not while it's in public ownership. The, it went way over budget, another 53 million pound that took it to three quarters of a billion. It's now costing, they had a business case that it would, it would make 250,000 pound a year and, and everybody said, that's outrageous that it's only going to make that. Now it's mm. losing at least eight and a half million pounds a year next year. It's losing 35 million this year. And the best case scenario in three years time, say they're going to lose five and a half million. The, the, the London mayor is saying, he's up in arms saying, how did this happen? 
it just seems to be that the everybody we got the deal of the century. Everybody seems to be against us that we got a sweet deal, and yet our own supporters seem to think um, the opposite. I mean, from yeah. a political point of view, because you're a political blogger, um, are we being used as scapegoats here? Well, in the football world, there is a degree of jealousy that, as you say, we did get the deal of the century, um, but we don't own it. And that, in the end, is something that is a shame. Uh, Golden Sullivan did offer to buy it. The LDC said no. Um, it doesn't really matter what happened in the past because we are where we are. I mean, we can blame Ken Livingston and Tessa Jowell, which is where I think the blame does lie, predominantly yeah. them and Sebastian Coe. Uh, you can say that Boris got a few things wrong as well, but we are where we are. So, I mean, if the club decided that uh, they wanted to put in an offer, fine. I mean, think, I think we'd all quite like to own our own stadium. Obviously, if it didn't jeopardise uh, the, the future of the whole club. Now, in some ways, the LDC might come to that conclusion themselves. And I think we should not be going in with an offer for quite some time because if they come to the conclusion themselves, we will get it at a lower rate than they might offer if we went to them. Um, but yeah, I, I think it would be quite good if we could uh, if we could own it without meaning that we would never be able to buy a £30 million player again. Do you think the, the politicians will ever allow that? You know, Do you see that the politicians will ever be able to think, well, we won't get much fall out after this if, if if we sell it on the cheap? I think there would be very adverse press coverage, but is it going to swing any votes? Answer, no, it isn't, because, I mean, people people did, wouldn't cast their vote in a mayoral election based on whether Sadiq Khan allowed West Ham to buy the club, so there might be some short-term political fallout, but I doubt whether it would be very long-term. Mm. Okay, well, as George would say, it's not a political podcast, <laughs> so let's talk about football again. <laughs> We've got a lot of injuries come up, and, and there's been some news today. Um, what, what do you think we can do for the end of the season? Because we, we seem a bit devoid of, you know, ideas. Three losses on the bounce, one win in seven. Where's our next points going to come from with, with our injuries? Well, I think we've got to avoid doing what Arsenal seem to be doing and saying, well, yeah, our season's finished now. We, we're just sort of playing for well, whatever. They've, we actually need to bring in a couple of players who will really play for their place in the team. And if I was Slavin Bilic for the next match, I would bring in uh, Fernandes because I think he's been a breath of fresh air. He was absolutely superb when he came on. Of course, you wouldn't have seen him, sure, because you left early. But, uh, <laughs> I watched highlights. <laughs> he was excellent, and he's been excellent in every single match he's played, or certainly the ones I've seen him play in. And I, I think he's he's brilliant at going forward. He, he's good in tackling. He's a good defender, and he's a natural replacement for Obiang, in my view. So I think bring him in. Um, I, I would also say to Sam Byron, right, you, you've got till the end of the season to prove yourself because clearly there are people at the club who don't rate him. But mm. he's never had a run in the team. It's always been the odd appearance here. And I don't think, but there's one match, I can't remember which one, where he did have an absolute stinker. But most of the time, he, he, I, I found him quite impressive. He, he's certainly good at attacking. Sometimes his defending leaves a little bit to be desired. Um, I think Cresswell, who I'm a huge fan of, but um, I, I do wonder whether Masuaku might come in for a few games because, again, when he he was the player of the season for the first few matches, it was only, I think, yeah. against Arsenal 
where he had a stinker and he's never and then he got injured and then he's never really played since. Um, he was superb at combining uh, with Payet in the first uh, part of the season, and if he can do that, whoever's playing with whoever's playing in front of him, I think he's worth another look. But the worrying thing is defence because. Um, I don't think Winston Reeves had his best season by any stretch no. of the imagination. Now, he might be out for most of the rest of the season. Well, we've only got James Collins, haven't we? But well, unless we want to seem to bring James Collins on, you know, uh, even... Well, you know, no, I think he did the right thing on Saturday because, I mean, we were 2-0 down and clearly Collins thought he was coming on, but I thought that should have been an astute tactical move to bring an attacking player on. I mean, Snodgrass didn't really do much. I, well, at least I didn't see him do much, and I haven't been massively impressed with him so far. Um, mm. But I, I, I don't know whether we can get Reece Oxford or Reece Burke back in the middle of our loans or not, but if we can, I think now's the time to do that. Because yeah, I do it, it's think a, we can, you know. I think we, we asked that question before. Right. I mean, in a moment of overreaction, knee-jerk reaction, um, George and John and myself leaving the game on 60 minutes discussed actually getting rid of the whole team except for Antonio and, and Lanzini, um, which might be a slight overreaction, but, you know, it, it's the way we felt at the time. Yeah, I think evolution is better than revolution in some ways. <laughs> I, mean, I think there will be a bit of a clear out in the summer. Um, I, I mean, I don't disagree with some of what you've said there. I, I think that I wouldn't get rid of Cresswell because we, we know what he can be like. Um, it's font. Mark Noble? Would you, would you keep with Mark Noble? Um, that's an awful question to ask, isn't it, really? Because it is, isn't it? I mean, we, all, we all love him, and I've, I've been his biggest fan, but I do think this season he hasn't really delivered. There's too many uh, backward passes, too many cross-field passes. His instinct at the moment seems to be too very much uh, defensive, which, fine, you always have to have a holding midfielder, but I, I do wonder whether his time is running out, which I, mm. I feel awful saying. Um, I know, we all do, don't we? Because, he's, he's, you know, he's born... Locally, yeah. he's Mr. West Ham. We know he's, he's a fan, and and it was so uncharacteristic of him to to come out and have a go at the fans, saying you don't understand football. And then he tried to explain himself, and he was having a go at keyboard warriors. Mm. Um, and and you just think you're just trying too hard. It, he he was injured for two to three games, and he wasn't really being honest with the medics I hear, and uh, and and that's because he's so worried about losing his first team place. Well. And that, that's in some ways a good thing because you want to have a lot of competition. And um, I mean, he will almost certainly come back now that now we're going out, yeah. out for the season. But I, uh, as I say, if it were me, I would bring in Fernandez because I think he offers something very, very different to, to Mark yeah. Noble. Um, but I, I think the goalkeeping position is one where I know Slavin Bilic says, no, I'm very happy with both of them. Well, Adrian's not going to stay if he's not going to be in the yeah. first team. And Randolph is a perfectly good goalkeeper, but he's not an excellent goalkeeper. And if you aspire to be a top six team, you have to have an excellent goalkeeper. So, I mean, I I would want to find uh, Begovic. Um, I think they're interested in Begovic and and Joe Hart, actually. So I think, you know... I'd rather have Begovic. All right. Yeah, good shout. Anyway, Um, we're out of time for today. I'm going to ask you for a prediction for the end of the season, where we're going to finish. Apparently, Slav needs a top 10 finish to say to guarantee his job, and he needs he needs eight for above to, to get a contract extension. Where, where do you well, think? Well, that, if, if that is true, 
and that's ridiculous because we cannot <laughs> really catch what sure you're you doing now. I can't remember how many points we are behind them, but I think it's is it ten or something like that. Well, we're not going to unless they have a massive collapse where they think well we've got nothing to play for, which is possible. But I mean that, that's unrealistic. I think my my heart says we'll finish ninth. My head says we'll probably finish eleventh. Well, we shall see. We remind you of that when we get to the end <laughs> of the season. Thanks for being our guest on more than just a podcast, Ian. And sure. um, and and everybody, listen. Uh, sorry, not listen, but uh, log in to West Ham till I die and Clarence Hugh. On Tuesday, 8 a.m., um, to see the results of the London Stadium survey. Cheers, Ian. Bye. What do you think of that, then, John? I haven't <laughs> heard it yet, Sean. <laughs> just catching you out. Thank you. Right, I know you, what you did want to talk about and what we just discussed with Ian, not in any great detail, the London Stadium survey. You, should, you wanted me to shut this down over... After a few days, didn't you? You wanted to get the, the stuff out there. Well, yeah, 6,365 people took part. We don't think it was hijacked by other clubs, uh, fans, or um, protest groups like the one Nigel founded. Um, <laughs> excuse you. Um, I mean, this seems to be the perception. I've got to actually start off by saying I've got to apologise to John. Because I was, I've been telling him for quite a long time, he's in the minority and he's an old dinosaur like Nigel. And actually the majority of fans like the stadium and actually he was wrong. And I've got to sort of fall on my sword and apologise and say, I, I misjudged it actually. And the survey is a bit mixed, let's be honest. So you know, you talk, can you talk figures tonight on this? Or yeah, of course you can. It's going to be released, at, I mean, technically it's embargoed to 8am in the morning. But, I mean, we're not going to give everything away, because so, well, not everybody who, will be listening to this podcast. embargo, Sean? Uh, myself and Ian. So it's, it's our embargo to break. <laughs> um, but obviously, people won't be, a lot of people won't be listening to this. Uh, so you could, you, you've got the figures, guys. You, if you want to pick some out, not all of them. Can I pick uh, one out then? Go on, then. Which one do you want to pick out? As a season ticket holder, were your expectations managed well before the move to the new stadium? Yeah. Stadium as expected, 32%. Stadium worse than expected, 62%. Stadium better, 6%. So 62% think that what they well, what they walked into is a lot worse than what they were told they were walking into. Well, so I think that, from my point of view, that should hopefully stop Mr Gold keep telling everyone that the majority of people love this stadium. It's just us old miserable dinosaurs that don't. Well, that was a particular question, right, on um, whether you, your, your expectations were managed, not whether you're happy or not. And you've, you've got to get the language right, John. Well, I'd yeah, like that's to why you, That's on. why you got the language right on your interview yesterday for the BBC that just sounded like you were working for the club again. So, well, you know. I'd like to point out that 382 people thought the stadium was better than expected. 6%. Yeah, 382. Just against the 62% who think it's worse than what they expected. Yeah, that is so a disappointing number. So don't keep telling us that, you know, we've got something wonderful and it's, you know, the number one stadium. But that, that, was, that was about the marketing when you went to see it and, and you know, what, what it afterwards. Five years' so, worth of lies. So 3,946 uh 
are saying that it's worse than expected. I do agree with that, John, which is yeah, but, quite yeah, a big but number. I, I, I didn't interpret, when I answered that question, I didn't interpret it. Did I think I was marketed correctly? I just think, basically, I know, I know we can never prove that we've been lied to, as we've tried or whatever, because it's always all spun. But the bottom line is that what we were told and the way they showed us all these wonderful things that were coming our way, it wasn't the case when you walked in there. Right, let me, let me ask Nigel a question, bring him in here. He said to me earlier when we were talking off air, um, he answered, it was expected. Because, you know, we talked about this, and I blogged about this, that, you know, the running track would be between the pitch and the seats. You know, the information was out there, and how far away, and, and Nigel yeah, did that People that were well. informed, people that were not just believing what the club was saying looked into it individually and thought about it seriously, realised that they were being told a load of nonsense. Yeah, uh-huh. but I answered, I was one of the 6% said it was better than expected because the, the, the picture <laughs> I was shown... Oh, all right, on. I've got no shame on that. The, the picture I was shown at Stratford, right, was worse than the one. If you go back to it, I think our seats are better than the picture they showed us at Stratford. I've got no complaints about my seat. No complaint. My view, my well, that's feet. what you I've were shown, no your expectations of what you were told. What were you no, told? No, but it's not just about your feet, is it? It's about yeah. everything from What were everything. you told? What, were you t- what dream were you sold? And please don't say the digital rap, which is the main reason you're upset. Please Di- don't tell me that. Digital rap, Wi-Fi. <laughs> Wi-Fi? You would never use it. <laughs> you're wide to be up there. Uh, sorry, don't, I don't need to keep going over it. We all know. All right. What the is, um, that's one you in and out, out. access. Everything is just awful. Um, so, George, is there something you want to pick out from the survey you think was, was an eye-opener? Uh, no, not particularly. I mean, I think, well... It was all depressing, wasn't it? Well, for the yeah, board, Yeah, I, mean, I think it was all negative uh, from a board's point of view. Um, the one that interested me was the actual last one, which isn't really Thursday. It was, where did you come to the survey from? And 35% said other, so I wonder where that other was coming. Well, it's mainly Twitter. We we really hit it on Twitter and Facebook. We were at, you know, things in um, uh, Facebook, like uh, um, West Ham Flags that's got 10,000 people and, and various other things. So um, the, the other, I think, counts for Twitter and, and Facebook and, and so on and so forth. Nigel, I know you've read all 2,500 comments. What what was your view on, <laughs> on the yeah, survey? Oh... It did contain the gem of someone complaining that the pitch was too far from the pitch. Um, I love that one. Which, which, which is a classic. Um, uh, do you want to admit what your comment was? Yeah, my comment w- w- was the comment that said, basically, the board never listened to the fans in the beginning. They're not going to start listening now. Um, they'll take this. They'll go, are we expecting this to be like this? It's only the first year. It will be better in five years. When the truth is, Pete, they, they sold us a dream stadium access, the full package. And I'm not talking about the Wi-Fi and the digital wrap. The full package. And when people walked in and saw the gaps that I've been saying, loads of people never believed me when I said it four or five years ago, that, that there was still going to be... This this curve for the seating, so you're going to be 20 yards away. You know, at certain points, and the, the gaps are going to be horrendous between the west and the, and the, the north and south ends, between the upper and the lower tier. 
Yeah. And that the running track is actually, if they took the green carpet up, I think I worked out, I think 75% of fans still sit behind the running track. But if you take away the distance from the pitch, what else is it that needs to improve? I mean, we've bought your flags, we've bought your shelves, three, four pints. What else do you want? What's wrong with the shelves? (laughs) (laughs) It's got shelves, it's home now. That was a blogger triumph, that shelving, I'll tell you now. Yeah, well done. That will go down with the SAB's bubble machines. <laughs> um, <laughs> just, it, it will just never be right, will it? Because they haven't got... They could, if they wanted to, they could have put straight seating in down the sides and behind the goals. Yeah. But you know what? Uh, if but we they couldn't because day, of the layout of the upper tier. Well, what happens if we buy it one day? Then we could do what yeah, we want. Gonna it ain't going to happen. Well, I talked to Ian Dale about that. And, uh, we just it ain't going to happen. Who's it, right, if they're valuing the club at £600 million pound now, if someone yeah. did buy that football club, who's then going to spend another three, £400 because that's what it'll cost because the government no, ain't going to give that. it away. The government oh. is costing them £8 million then pound a year. you yourself up to state aid, Sean, because... The, the well, we won't be in Europe. Brexit by now. I don't know if you know, but the, the Prime Minister <laughs> is doing Article 50. Anyway, yeah, it's well, not a political years, podcast. Yeah. Anyway, let's move on to the injury curse that has uh, affected us today. Obiang out for the season, we hear from... Um, uh, Jack Sullivan, um, six weeks for Reed, four weeks go. for Antonio. Um, official line. Official line from Jack, from Jack Sullivan. Sullivan. Um, that was what, on my what, comments. What, what, what realistic league position can we finish in? Start with you, George. Uh, well, I think based on recent performances, we're not going to get in the top half. Um, I think. Probably 12th, 13th is what we'd hope for. Um, but more realistically, it could be 15th, 16th, isn't it? Yeah. And who who would you replace? Obviously, we've got um, we've got Obiang out, so that probably means Noble's coming back, or maybe Fernandez. Um, you, you've got to bring Ginger in, haven't you? What what else do you do with with losing Antonio and everybody else? Uh, well, yeah, I think. We haven't got any other defenders now, have we? Can we, we get can't bring back? Oxford back. Can we, we do can't. that? No, you can't. Yeah, both teams have to agree. I mean, if um, Reddin agreed it, then we could. But if he's just on their bench, isn't he? No, he played, didn't he? Last uh, last two games. I've heard from people that, were, that watched the rest of the game on Saturday that Fernandez came on and played really well. Yeah. Um, so I don't see why not. Uh, give him a chance. Yeah, John. Who? Who? Um, what's your pre- prediction for the league finish? And, and who do you think we should give a chance now with the free? Yeah, there's not many more options on predictions than what George said. Really, is there? Finish up sort of where we are about now at best, and give who else we've got left to go. You know what I mean? We haven't got that many left, have we? Yeah. You know, I would. I'll. I think it was a bad thing to send Oxford out. I think it was a bad thing to send Maurice Burke out when he didn't have a right back or whatever. He was could play right back. You know, it's just yeah. What yeah. else can you do? Have you got any words of wisdom to add, um, Nigel? Well, I, you know, I still think because of the our structure, we could still nick temp spot, which is not a bad. You know, historically West Ham have only ever finished in the top ten consecutively three times once. So we've always yo-yoed in and out of the top ten when we have done. 
So we could nick 10th spot, which would be all right. I mean, you can, I mean, we lose in Antonio, you bring Fagouli back, don't you? And then you've got Snodgrass, can play. The Noble can come back in for Obiang. You can keep Kiari at centre-half. He played there for Anderlecht a lot. He's a good centre-half. Or you can bring Collins in and put Noble and Kiari back, which was a good centre-midfield uh, centre pairing last season. I think that's what Noble's missed, Kiari, next to him himself. So you're going to go for 10th, are you? I think we can get 10th. Between 10 and 12. I don't think we'll drop lower. Yeah. Well, I'm going to go for 11th. I think it will just be just outside that top 10, which will, will cost um, Billage his job. But we will wait oh. and see. I think I, the words I've heard today from senior sources, it's getting worse, not better. We'll Unless see, he can... Well, stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to say too much, but, but you know, you know I, I, I see that, you know, unless he can get, you know, three wins, I think he's, I think he's going to find it really difficult to start bring next the, season. Bring the catering manager and get some more detail. Yeah. I've got details, but I'm not going to say it. Um, let's go to some predictions. We've got a little bit of a break um, for the international break. Um, and then we're playing Hull on April Fool's Day. Did you know that? Well, I knew we were playing Hull, but I didn't know it was April Fool's Day, but yeah. Um, do you think we can get a result at Hull, um, George? Uh, I think it would be tricky. It's not an easy place to go and they need the points. Um, but let's be optimistic and then, yeah, we'll get three points. We'll come cool. back refreshed. We'll come back refreshed after the... Uh, after the international break and Billich will have sorted them out. Scoreline? 2-1. John? I think we need to win. We need to stop this like, run of losses. So, yeah, 2-0. Come on, you Irons. And I'm going to go for a 3-0 free, free win, which oh. leaves you Nigel. Draw. <laughs> uh, you were being an draw. optimist of a sudden. Now draw. What, a nil-nil draw or a 1-1 draw? Or a no, one, probably draw? one all. How are quite a, a picked up under their new manager. They were unlucky. They had a bug sent off, didn't they? So, and Everton, even and, uh, Valencia, did you know they scored for Everton? Yeah. That was when they were down to 10 men in the last 10 minutes. Yeah. It, one assist. One assist and a goal yeah. from Valencia. and a goal. Yeah. That's all that tougher training he's doing in it. I think we should have kept him. I mean, that, that's one point. Before we go, that's one point <laughs> I meant to mention on, on the uh, Slav piece. You know, this continual talk that Slav's backroom team is not up for giving really hard training to the squad. Um, should they go in the summer? Whatever have happens? you had that confirmed, Sean, from anywhere? Yeah, or I have. I have. I've got several senior sources and some, some sources close to the training ground. Oh, and, right. and, and players who just say it's, it's not to the level. You know, I've, I've heard people say, you know, we train for about 30 minutes on, and that's about it kind of thing. Which is, and you do see them leave, rush green early. It is, it is quite a light touch. What's so, I saw on Twitter... Jacob Steinberg denouncing that theory. So, I think, is, he, is he more involved, Sean? Does he got no, he doesn't, go, he doesn't go down to the training ground. Does he not? No. 
would you say as early leaving training early? Well, I think I think they should start when I go past Chelsea's training ground. They get there about half nine, and they should leave probably about one o'clock. Do you sit outside and wait for them? No, but I do know it is in Cobham. It is. I'm a Surrey boy, and, and Chelsea's training in Surrey. Well, I know, I know in the past, I, I used to know a West Ham footballer, and they, when he used to finish work, they would would be playing golf at anal, teeing off at Arsworld. Yeah, there you go. Well, they need to work a bit harder. Redknapp's day. So they've always, the footballers have always only trained in the morning anyway, probably two or three times a week. Well, it's not enough. We need to work harder. We want more. And <laughs> it's time they pick the guy. Come on, guys, pick up your game. Yeah. <laughs> I think we're done. We've run out of time. Uh, thank you to Nigel for being our special guest. Thanks, thank Nigel. You for yeah, it's been a pleasure. It's goodbye from me, and it's goodbye from George. Goodbye. It's goodbye from John. Bye. And that's it. Come on, you irons. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Bye. With the music. Cool. Well, is that that's it? a wrap, guys. Come on, don't we get to listen to the music? No. Is that on? That's, that's oh, all yeah. done in the magic, <sighs> Nigel. That, oh, that's where you are. Oh, you actually sat there for an hour. <laughs> <laughs> oh. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.